All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie. It's episode 34 of the All Things Techie Podcast. I'm Justin Dawson. We have a legend in the making of AV, it, 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 he, he shakes his head, but it's it's actually true. I I I told you, listeners, that you weren't going to listen to just me for a couple of podcasts. I've been lining up some great interviews earlier on. Uh, we had Mike Blackman. He's going to be. Uh, he was episode thirty three. Now we're into episode thirty four, and one after the other. I think in people that I really have wanted to nail down into a conversation and under the spotlight this show episode 34 is chris nito chris where do we begin where did you start off in this world of av because you're quite a name in the world of av uh i like the, well do, do i have to call my mom to, to to talk about where we began that's a little far back but in the world of av hmm, uh i guess the world of av started um uh, before college. Um, I wasn't a musician uh, like everybody else who was in this industry. I was never a roadie. I don't have an older brother uh, where I ran sound for them, but um, I, I, was a, I was an art kid in school, uh, in, in high school. That's what I was. I, I did art. I had this creative side to me, which was kind of cool, and I went to college for art, um, and quickly in, in while I was sitting in, in, in art classes, I realized that some of these studio classes were not for me because it was forced creativity. You, you were told to come in and draw and be creative in this allotted time. And it was tough. I would have, I would, I, I would go through like, um, you know, uh, like almost like a writer's block. I, I would just draw and they're like, that's not good enough. And it, I got upset. I got, uh, was never told that it was never good enough coming through high school. I had won art competitions and, and stuff like that uh, for stuff that I was doing. Uh, but when I got to college, it was like a smack in the face reality hit. Like now all of a sudden I'm questioning what I wanted to do with art going forward. So a buddy of mine uh, calls me up and he goes, hey man, uh, I'm getting a radio show. That's all right. Is this pirate radio or real radio? It was, it was campus radio, it wasn't real okay. radio. So campus radio at the time was closed circuit TV. Uh, they had real radio, uh, but I kind of liked the closed circuit radio because there was no uh, regulation. I can say and do whatever I want. And uh, it was fun. There was no format. We can do pick a format, do what we want. The station manager that ran it was like, hey, whatever you guys want to do. So my buddy Chris and I uh, went and uh, started up a radio show, which started off with me just playing some music. I would play a mix of alternative music and some 80s alternative and 90s stuff and stuff that I like. And we'd have, uh, I was in a fraternity, so my fraternity brothers would call and request music. And at first it was like, hey, you know, standard DJ thing. Um, eventually, uh, Chris uh, started talking uh, with me. And me and Chris would eventually develop a talk show. Um, and that was on uh, our campus closed circuit. And it was, we held the show on Thursday. Um, Thursday was, a, was an interesting time because everybody was getting ready to go out. Thursday night was the big college party night. So mm -hmm. we had like the five to eight slot. It was a three hour slot. 
and we'd go in at five o'clock and, and go till eight. And then everybody was getting ready to go out and they would go to parties at like whatever. So they turn on their TVs while they're getting ready and we would run contests. We ran kind of almost like a Howard Stern type show. It was, uh, I, we'd bring in the cafeteria ladies. We'd, uh, you know, we'd find people on the street. We'd bring them in. and Not talk just those like, like Pirate Radio. <laughs> completely, completely Pirate Radio. We'd, we'd, we'd do prank calls on air. Uh, we would, um, you know, uh, call people and not tell them that they were on the radio. And just all of a sudden things were being said that shouldn't have been said. And, uh, after a so while. They, uh, is this where Chris gets kicked out of college for... for, for well, that, that part of Chris getting kicked out of college, I did on my own. Okay. Uh, so at 19, uh, after about a year and a half of trying to figure this out, I, uh, I quit school and I did possibly the worst thing possible. Uh, for there, if, there's any, if there's any high school uh, people listening or if there's any college kids listening, uh, you may want to turn this off. Parents may want to turn this off because it was a complete disaster of what happened to me. Um, at 19... Uh, my my at the the fall semester of my fresh of my sophomore year, I decided to pull all my credits at the last possible second. Uh, what that meant was I preserved all my grades for my freshman year, right? Uh, all the classes that I was failing, I dropped. And because I waited till the last day, um, the bills were already paid, so my parents didn't see it. They couldn't mm -hmm. kick me out of the campus dorm because I was more than halfway through the semester. So for the last three, four weeks of the semester, maybe it was about four weeks of the semester, I, I lived my best life on campus, and it was party, um, party, party, party. Did your parents know that you had done this? No. <laughs> So I come home and uh, they're like, so, um, you know, they, they suspected that something wasn't right. I wasn't, whatever, the, their parents, this is what Chris they do. looks a bit hungover. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris had his hair down to, you know, grew his hair out. And uh, my dad was not a big fan of the long hair at the time. And uh, you look at you, you know, you, you, what, what's, 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 what's this? You're not clean cut anymore. You're kind of like, yeah, I never see you bring, you come home on weekends only to do laundry. I never see a book. I never hear you talk about school. Uh, I said that, well, he goes, um, you know, I, I, I did okay, dad. He goes, well, we'll see when the report card comes. And that's when I said, uh, there won't be a report card. As a matter of fact, I quit school and I haven't told you guys. Um, that didn't go over well when they found out that I wasted a semester's worth of money uh, as off the boat immigrant parents uh, would typically react, they went nuts. Um, eventually what happened was I told them, hey, I'm gonna work and I'm gonna DJ because I had picked up some DJ uh, gigs and I had my own equipment and I was doing some stuff. Um, I said, I'm gonna work for a little bit and figure out what it is I wanna do. And that wasn't cool at the time. He did, you know, this is in the, you know, this is in the 90s. Um, my parents 100% believed that I was, a, you know, in high school with good grades. I was National Honor Society. I had high rank. I ranked 25th out of 300 and something kids. Like, I had all the right tools in place to go into college and succeed after four years. 
uh, get to college and I lost it. I completely lost focus. Um, so I came home, I started working. Uh, my dad wasn't very happy with the fact that I was, you know, working a couple of different jobs. I was hustling. That was my thing. I worked at a two different pizzerias because pizza was in my blood and my family, at least my cousins uh, were in the business. So I learned the pizza business at the age of 13. I was folding boxes and back in my cousin's place for a couple bucks. I eventually was making pizza and, you know, basically helping everything. I, I did everything. So I, I, I continued on through pizza because I learned that skill in high school and in middle school. Um, and I was doing DJ gigs. So I had a DJ night at a, uh, a, at a college um, in, uh, on Wednesday nights, Monday nights at my old school. I did the, the on-campus pub night that was there. It was the big night, Monday night. And then I would pick up gigs on the weekend and I was making good money. It was good cash, but my dad did not like that. He didn't like the lifestyle. I was rolling in at three, four in the morning. Uh, eventually uh, at 19, I got kicked out of my house. So I lived out of my car for about two weeks, three weeks. Uh, it, and it, it sucked because it was in the winter time. Uh, I'd stay at a friend's house. This and that eventually my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, caught wind that I wasn't, um, that I wasn't staying home. Uh, I would sleep in the pizzeria. A buddy of mine, a good friend of mine who unfortunately passed, he, uh, he gave me the key to the pizzeria. He said, Hey dude, if you don't have a place to crash, crash here. At least I know you'd be on work at time. So I would right. went to the pizzeria and I'd sleep, uh, you know, we had a chair in the back and I just laid out on whatever. Uh, it was very, very weird times, man, but I learned uh, a hard lesson. Mm. Um, eventually let's fast forward. That girlfriend became my fiance who was now my wife. Um, and, uh, I went back to school, uh, after working those crazy hours, I realized I didn't want to do that lifestyle. It wasn't for me. I couldn't see her. Uh, that would be one thing, uh, going places was, was difficult because I needed to work. Uh, I eventually got a, um, I eventually got a couple of roommates in an apartment back in my old school. And I went back to, not to my old school, but I went to community college. And I said to my parents, I said, listen, I'm going to focus myself on school again. And I'm going to go back. What age were you now? You were about 21? I was about, I was about 20. Okay. Not even 21. I was about 20. So I went back to, I, I, I got myself into community college. And I said to my parents, I said, listen, um, I'm going to try doing, uh, X amount of credits. I did a crazy amount of credits. I said, uh, if I pull, you know, a B average or better, um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like you guys to pick up, you know, give me a shot again at going back to a real school. So I paid for it and I got, I got better than a B average. And then I shocked my parents because I told them I wanted to go back to my old school. Uh, they have, you know, they have a lot of angst right now about that idea as I'm telling him and like, you know, I want to go back to the school that I just couldn't handle, yeah. you know, that lifestyle. Uh, but when I went back, I went back completely refocused and uh, I was only about a year or two older, but in that time I, I lived that crazy lifestyle. Uh, I now was going back with the whole intent and purpose of um, finishing. So I focused, I took my, all my, my classes very seriously. I wouldn't miss classes, uh, did not have the party nights. I'd still go out on Thursday. I didn't do the radio show because my buddy Chris and I had, uh, 
said, you know, let's screw it because a couple of people in the station were like, dude, you guys are off the wall. Like we've got complaints about you guys. Like you know, we can't have people doing some of the things that you're asking people to do. Uh, I mean, this is the time of like, you know, Opie and Anthony and, 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 and Howard Stern where you're, you know, you're, you're testing shock the audience to do the very shock jock style. And it, it, it worked. I mean, wow. I mean, it was, it was fun, uh, but it led me to get, my my time there gave me some good experience. So I finally, I pushed myself through and uh, the, the last part to this, Chris getting kicked out at 19 happens when I, uh, I'm in my, my junior year now in college and I'm looking uh, almost at finishing school and I need an internship. So I go to one of my fraternity brothers, uh, Dave, and uh, he's a great guy. Um, and I said to him, I said, Dave, I'm looking for an internship. And I know you, you know, you have connections with, uh, with the New York Giants. Um, can you get me an interview? And Dave sat me down and goes, hey, man, I'm all about you doing this, but you need to take this serious. I said, have you not seen what I've been doing the past two years, man? Like the Chris that came into this fraternity and what I am now is two different things. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, I believe you. I'll trust you. He gave me an opportunity, got me an interview with the New York Giants, and I got my internship. So I worked with the Giants, uh, with the New York Giants football team in the uh, final year of my college year. Um, and that was in 97, 98. I learned, um, I learned, that was my first exposure to corporate. You know, being in the pizza business, it's one thing. I learned customer service. Yes, sir, no, ma'am. But then now it's elevated because you got multi-million dollar players walking around and prestigious, you know, iconic uh, league officials walking around, you know, some of these people, Hall of Famers, and you're just like, you can be starstruck for a little bit. But um, then you have to get the job done. But you have to get the job done. I worked my tail off. I asked a ton of questions. As a matter of fact, with the assistant video directors used to make a lot of fun, uh, uh, had a lot of fun with me because I constantly asked why. I felt like at some point I felt like that, like two, three-year-old, I was like, but why? 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 <laughs> that's how I, that's how I learned, unfortunately, but it got to be annoying because I'm like, but why do we do it this way? Why is it done like this? And why do we stack up the rate, you know, the flight cases like this? Why don't we put them on their side? Why don't we do something different? And whatever the case is, it was a great experience. It wasn't a internship that I'm, you know, just bringing coffee back and forth. I didn't get paid. It was an unpaid internship. I didn't expect to get paid. That was laid out very early, but the, the experience uh, is what I was looking for. And obviously to put that on my resume, uh, I did not know that at the time, but man, did I come across a lot of football fans in my job, in my career where they're like, wait a minute, you were with the New York Giants? I'm like, yeah. I did my internship and it was a great conversation starter. I uh, did not know that me paying for classes, because that's essentially what I had to do is pay for these credits, uh, would eventually get me these opportunities. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, I can name at least one job where the guy completely forgot why I was there interviewing and just wanted to talk about the fact that he was a giant season ticket holder and that I was with the Giants in 97 and 98. And he had a thousand questions about, you know, players and people. Yeah. Uh, we've all had we've all had those interviews in our lives, Chris, where you come out and go, did they actually ask me any questions about the job or did they just want to know about like why I 
I had one example of that uh, where I was in an interview and they all they wanted to hear was how I jumped out of a plane uh, and skydived uh, <laughs> six months beforehand. You know? Yeah, you got to love those, man. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm truly fortunate. That was the first time uh, that I ever really e experienced that kind of somebody went out of their way and gave me an opportunity. Uh, so my mindset from that point on has been very much on a, on a pay it forward basis. And from that opportunity, I was able to go to a friend of mine and say, Hey, I had this opportunity. You're graduating senior, take my name, go see the video director, tell him that I preferred you and hopefully it worked. And yes, my buddy Keith then became the following year was one of the interns they only choose three interns a year with the, the video department so to be so selected. did you get a full-time job with the new york giants or no no sir so what, so what happened was came the end of the season i um i had to go back to school and i wanted to finish college like that was like my now i know that i need to finish uh school uh, i had a lunch it was funny because I'll, I'll tell the story of why I'm not in broadcast video or working with sports or doing that sort of stuff. I sat down at lunch and uh, media uh, lunch is provided for the media and for the press and all that. So we would go in and have lunch with them. That was part of our, our internship is you know, we didn't get paid, but we got lunch and they would give us New York Giants gear to wear because we had to wear official NFL apparel when we were representing the team on the field or whatever. So I sat down for lunch and somebody from ESPN was was next to me and another guy from nfl films was next to me and they look at me and they see me in my giant swag and they're like so what do you do here i said uh video intern i said uh you know i work for uh, uh the internal video department and just to be to, just to be honest this was not the the broadcast side of the business the the internal team of video people that worked for for the giants videotape practices and and the games and did all the game footage that they used to provide to the staff and to the players for them to study. Right. Okay. So it was not like I was, none of my stuff was on Fox or ABC or whatever the channels were that were broadcasting. It was not broadcast. This was internal game stuff. And, and ironically, that was my first exposure to projectors because we were using the big Sony three gun uh, projectors at the time. That's what the, with the clickers and the big beta, beta cam decks where they were, you know, uh, mm -hmm. scrolling through NVIDIA and we would travel with these big monsters. Uh, so when we went on the road and I got to travel with the team to about four or five games, um, you know, we would walk onto the tarmac at an airport with our gear and our gear, we had to watch our gear get loaded onto the planes and the planes were chartered flights. So the planes were ours. Uh, the buses came with everybody on it. All of our gear got there. We made sure our gear got on the plane. Once it was in, then we went inside. Uh, we got to sit wherever we want on the plane. This was a whole different experience. After the games, we had, you know, X amount. We had to be, you know, break down all of our gear, shower, get back in our suits, and get back on the bus because we were getting a police escort from the stadium to our plane, which needed to be in the air at a certain time. Wow. So it's a very interesting kind of, um, you know, process thing. And then, oh, by the way, it wasn't, hey, I got off the plane. Let's, I'll see you Monday. No. Uh, that night we go back, everybody, the players leave, uh, the staff or the video staff had to go back and put back all the projectors that we traveled with into the game footage, into the, into the meeting rooms 
because the next mornings the coaches and the players were there regardless breaking down video some of them actually needed to break it down on the plane so we had these little uh portable decks uh for these little uh uh, mini cams that we had at the time uh, so they can just see the the games and start processing what they what they did good or bad well, so yeah that was uh, that was fun yeah busy times especially when there was like an unpaid mm -hmm. gig how did you move from that into what was the next step out of intern so i i i did the internship i graduate college with a degree in in uh my my degree is officially a communicate a BA in communications, uh, Bachelor of Arts in communications, and I have my uh, my focus, my 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 concentration was in radio and television, and I picked up a minor because I had a thing for history, so I picked up a minor in history, and my whole goal was that I was going to work for like a National Geographic or you know do some sort of cool stuff where i was traveling around and, and videotaping you know lions in africa strapped to the back of jeep that was, uh, <laughs> uh back to that conversation i had with the nfl films guy and the spn guy they're like they set a very real expectation that i would not have a camera on my back or on my shoulder for a good 10 plus years uh that i'd be running around with wire and i looked at myself i said this is not that's not gonna work either how am i uh, you know, and then, well, they said, on top of that, you'll never work for anybody. You'll always be freelance. Uh, maybe they weren't the best people to talk to at the time, but freelance gig was not what I wanted to hear. And yeah. I wasn't going to go back and tell my parents, oh, by the way, all this money that we just now put into school, now I'm going to be still working at the pizza places and picking up freelance gigs. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. So um, as I reached my senior year, my one, again, uh, fortunate. One of my fraternity brothers, John, um, gave me a, uh, not gave me a call. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, um, how did I put it? He sent out a, a big mass email because he had already graduated school and said, hey, my company's looking to hire. And at the time I had done some job fairs and there wasn't much that was interesting to me. Uh, contemplated a couple different things, but he said, hey, listen, come in and do uh, do an interview. It's this little company. It's in the, it was 15 minutes from where I lived at home. So I would move back home and I can work 15 minutes from my, from where I worked. Um, so I said, all right, I came in, I did the interview. And when I walked in, um, to do the interview, there was, there was a, there was a cable on the table and it was like all just like messy. And, um, I walked in and I met the, you know, I didn't even meet the guy. I just sat down and said, um, what are you guys doing with? Do you want me to coil this BNC? Like, what, what's this for? And they're like, you're hired. You're the only person who's ever walked in and identified what that was the BNC cable. cable. <laughs> so it, it, it was sort of like laid there as a test, really, Chris. Yeah, I yeah. guess. I don't know, man. I walked in. I knew what a BNC cable was, and they were super excited because not one applicant that came in uh, from, like, newspaper ads and all that knew what that was. Right. So I knew where BNC Cable was for my my internships and obviously for my class of connect, you know, my, my audio production or video production classes. So they're like, well, you got a degree, you got all this, you meet, check all the right boxes, and you identified this this cable that nobody ever pays attention to when they walk in. Um so he gave me this opportunity to meet and the guys liked me and 
I was installer number three for a little company called Wire One Technologies. At the time, they were all communications. They became uh, one of the bigger players in the uh, video conferencing installation market. At the time in 98, I, in 99, I was ripping out the old PictureTel Concords, the big monstrous uh, mini fridge video conferencing systems right. and installing this new hot company called Polycom and their view stations and their view stations 128. And I got to learn about BRIs and PRIs and uh, ISDNs and SPID numbers and all these weird things that were non what I went to school for, but it had a camera and I thought it was kind of cool and I didn't connect. And that's my, that's my intro. Wow. So did, when, when did you get involved with, Ibixa or what was Infocom at the stage and go off and do your CTS? I did not. Now I was, I entered the industry in 98, essentially working for all communications and wire one. Um, AV was always there because what I started with was taking a big 36 inch TV, putting it on a cart TV, not, not, not a, I'm talking about the, the CRT TVs. Mm -hmm. Uh, putting them on a cart um, and kind of just wiring assist. I'd fly all over the country and install these things. Uh, we'd have, you know, the, the install could be fairly quick, but it, a lot of it depended on the telephone companies getting the ISDNs and the SPID numbers and all that corrected. Uh, I can do an install fairly quick. We got it down to a science, you know, unpack, put everything together, fire it up to tie up all the wires you know, uh, basically get back in our suit and do a training. It was, we can do it fairly quickly. The problem was we always ran across a problem with the ISDNs and the SPID numbers um, never being ready on time or not being brought up from the phone closet to wherever the, the meeting room was. Um, so back then it was, that's a very simple install, not really Infocom or back then it was ICIA uh, focused. Okay. Um, but eventually we started getting into, hey, we have a big room. We'd like to take those big screens and we need to bring the audio to the, to the other side of the room. Yeah. So we started working with uh, Clear One and uh, um, uh, some ceiling speakers and some amps. And all of a sudden, everything that we were learning about just simple systems now became a more integrated systems. And then we started having to bring in these guys that were called programmers and programmers were brought in to do this touch panel, which made it very simple to use. And I was, wow, this is great. I had a touch screen and it wasn't even color. It was like a weird, it was just very plain touching touch thing. And I found it odd even back then that they had to create a manual. Like that was part of my gig was I had to take all the manufacturers you know, stuff and put it in a binder and make a big fat binder to send up to people. So they had all their documentation in a binder. God, I hated binder work, but that was, that was kind of the early days of stuff. And, you know, the, me getting involved with ICA was always, it was always there. Uh, you know, I, I took a class here and there, didn't get my CTS uh, until 2003, maybe. I, I I think I just hit 14 or 15 years. Um, so sort of on I, the back burner. Yeah. It was always on the back burner. I had become a, an, uh, I was an installer. I was a tech. Uh, it wasn't, um, I, I had been a project manager. I worked for an audiovisual company. 
taking your CTS was uh, and getting money to take classes was like you would have to you, you had to you have to know somebody at the company and say listen I'd like to get my CTS they're like well you're gonna have to do that on your own time I'm like okay the test is 200 bucks will you guys pay for it uh, we'll pay for it if you pass it I'm like okay so I've got to put out the 200 first uh, what about classes can I take some classes um, yeah you could take some classes I'm like oh but they, you have to pay for classes uh, well, if you want it, you'll pay for classes and then we'll reimburse you for the, I'm like, wow, dude, this is, there's just no, there was I no. I'm late. I've, I've heard these stories before. Yes. <laughs> no drive, right? And then it was, so now every year, some people were going to the Infocom show. Mm. And I'm like, well, maybe this year I'll get picked, right? Because I was a project manager or I was a technician, um, but no, it was typically always the salespeople that went and uh, maybe one or two people and they were typically engineers. So I didn't have any Infocom experience until I became an end user. Uh, when I went to work for one of the pharmaceutical companies that I worked for, um, the person I worked for said, you're going to get your CTS. I have my CTS. Get your CTS. And we'll pay for it. Uh, so I took my CTS and I got it. Uh, at the same time, I was also accepted into getting my master's if I if I wanted, because it was in the benefit that the being an employee of the, the pharmaceutical company that I get, uh, I could have uh, gotten my master's. So I applied and was accepted for my master's in IT project management at Stevens Institute, and I wanted to take that. Uh, but then life happened. My daughter was born, and I had a young kid, and how my going to do classes and this and that. So I kind of put that on the back burner, focused on certifications. I got my CTS and uh, took a couple more classes uh, regarding like, um, just to understand, you know, like, um, I think I got some Kramer certification. I think I went and got some Extron certification uh, classes I took. And then what I ended up doing was uh, I took a shot. I said, can I go to Infocom? So my first Infocom was Infocom in Anaheim, uh, California. And it was the first one that I went to and the last one that Infocom had in Anaheim. From that point on, they went into a rotation of Orlando and Vegas. Mm. So um, it was a great experience. Um, I, I met one of my vendors out there, but it was very, I was not, it was not social media. It was in like, oh, oh seven, oh eight, maybe. Uh, but then I didn't go back again because then kind of like the funds to send me back were, were, were not going to be there uh, until I left that pharmaceutical and went to work as a consultant who had put me in another pharmaceutical company as on site. And then I started going as a consultant and it was a different, uh, a whole different thing. So as I, as a consultant, I would go and have meetings with the manufacturers and get to know everybody again. And uh, that's when I started jumping into social media because social media is how I got my job. I, that was my next question. Like where did the end of social media and Twitter must have been in its absolute infancy when you started playing around with the social media hashtags. I'm not even the OG of AV social media when it comes to Twitter. I jumped in two, three years into it. Uh, I wouldn't tweet. I hated it. Um, I, I was very nervous. I've heard, uh, you know, I had heard 
misfires uh, of people using social media and it misfiring, backfiring on them. Um, so I do what I typically do. Um, I spent some time researching what I wanted to do. Um, my job at the, the first pharmaceutical I worked for, I worked for a company called Merck. Uh, Merck Pharmaceutical um, was having, basically, there was a layoff coming. Okay. I kind of sensed it. Uh, there was stages of it. Um, so I started looking. Um, I b built a LinkedIn profile. And uh, from my LinkedIn profile, uh, I got all my ducks in order, started making all my connections of people that I met along the way, former, you know, coworkers, uh, people that I met, um, you know, at, at these small little regional shows and stuff like that. Anybody I had a business card to, I started connecting. And uh, eventually it hit and I got lost. I lost my job. Um, so I got pulled into an office and I already had, I already had an exit plan. I had, uh, I had my, to be honest with you, I had my letter of uh, resignation in hand to resign. And when I walked into my boss's office and I came around the corner, I saw that there was a table uh, in his office. He always had this little round table with two or three chairs for people for us to meet. And it was my typically, my regularly scheduled meeting. Whatever. Instead of him coming to me, I went to him. He asked if I would go to him. So I knew something wasn't right. So I walked in, I saw the blue round table and on there was the signal. The signal was uh, whenever there was big layoffs and they'd, have, they'd, they'd clear out all the schedules of the, of the meeting rooms. But part of the, part of the responsibilities were, you know, people went in there and put water bottles and uh, tissues on the table. Very, very ominous. And there was the tissue box and the, uh, and the water yeah. bottles. It's so, like who's died. <laughs> yeah. So I take my uh, my letter of resignation. I fold it up. I tuck it away. I walk in, and he's like, "Chris, your job has been eliminated." Um, gave me the corporate thing, and I was like, "Well, you know what, Chris, you're not the only one. Uh, most of the AV department's getting let go. As a matter of fact, twenty five thousand people were let go. Wow. So it was a big. It's a big, massive company. So." Um, I said, uh, you know, that's it. This is this is how it comes to an end, right? He goes, yeah. I said, all right, this is gonna suck. And there's no negotiating. There's no nothing. He's like, well, no, that's it is what it is. I had spent six years with the company, so I, I had vested with the company, which is great. So I said, all right, where do I sign? And as soon as I signed the paperwork and he shook my hand, I'm like, it what a relief. He goes, why? I said, because I came in here to resign and you saved me that and I get to walk away with a package. So this, yeah. is, this worked out. Win, in my win, yeah, win-win for Chris, yeah. Win-win. So I left and uh, it was, it was kind of cool because I was kind of expecting it and I got lucky there and uh, went to work for another uh, pharmaceutical, but my employer was a consulting firm by the name of Baby Help Desk. Baby Help Desk had the contract and basically um, they the pharmaceutical needed an on-site designer and they plopped me into the space because it wasn't a designer in the traditional sense. I wasn't sitting there and I don't CAD, right? It's not, it wasn't CAD work that they were looking for. It was a very hybrid position of, I needed to interface with facilities, IT, uh, the, the existing AV people, because there was people running the auditoriums and the broadcast side. Uh, I had to bring new technology to the space. So if there was a need, if somebody said, hey, I want whiteboards, we would go look for electronic whiteboards. 
um, I remember working with them and one of the first things that, that, that I worked on was a big project because infrastructure costs was super expensive to get work done internally. So if I needed run, wires run, they were very expensive. And we had some old buildings on site that couldn't have the, the wires run. So I, I, I did some homework and we found um, this product called the ClickShare. And the ClickShare was doing wireless transmission, which yeah. would save me a ton of money on core drilling and all this sort of stuff. So um, I said, hey, I want to get a couple different these wireless products. Uh, ClickShare has been out already and it's been working and I've played with it already, but we're going to do our due justice and bring in a couple different uh, brands. So we brought in a couple different brands and we worked on it. Security got to it and I, that was my job. I had to, I had it set up in an office and I bring in IT, I bring in all these people, the benefits, pros, cons, what do you guys think? Did kind of like a, a user needs analysis. I brought the users in, hey guys, try this out, plug the button in. How do you like it? Now try this one, do this. How do you like that? How do you like this? We chose to standardize on the click share after like this, this complicated long study. That wasn't my only job. So I, I was doing that at the same time, I was providing level three support for the entire campus, uh, which was consisted of 40 something buildings on site and you know, 300 conference rooms. It was, I mean, it was massive, massive auditoriums. There's like three auditoriums on campus, three cafeterias that were multi-purpose, multi-purpose rooms, training rooms, uh, lobbies. I mean, it, it, that was my, I lived there for five years. It was a six month job that turned into a five year conversation and it was great. It was fun. Um, if I didn't spend, and I've said it before on, uh, in articles and I've said it on, on other podcasts as well. And I've told my friends, I said, um, if I hadn't spent 13 years on site as an end user, understanding the end user's perspective, I don't think I would be where I am today. Yeah. Um, wow. And like, you know, that is so true to form, mm -hmm. you know, people don't drill down to the end user, Chris, you know, and you were in the position where you could talk one-to-one -one with the end user better than any sales or install or AV team that comes in, gets the job done and walks away, which we see so much in this industry than to be in a position where you could be down to the end users grounds and, and get to know them. So you asked how I got into social LinkedIn was the way I got into social by creating my profile. But when I left Merck, I posted on LinkedIn, a thank you to everybody I had worked with at Merck and I, and that it was a great opportunity, but that I was part of a layoff. But in the good news, I left and I have a job and I start Monday. Um, that caught the eye of an editor that I had reached out, contacted with about something that they saw in a magazine. And we connected on LinkedIn just because that's what I did. She saw my post and the next thing you know, uh, we had a conversation. She goes, how does an AV guy as an end user, um, tech manager role position, how does somebody lose their job on a Friday in the worst possible economy, which is what we were going through at yeah. that time. Uh, it was when the housing market crashed and everybody was losing their, their shirts with all, all sorts of craziness. So how do you change your jobs in the middle of this crazy economic thing and have a job on a Monday? Would you like to tell your story? 
And I basically wrote the story of how I use social media and used all my connections that I had built up on LinkedIn to, uh, to do this. Well, that article became very popular. She came back and said, you want to write again? I said, absolutely. I'll write again. Uh, so I, I, I wrote another story about how I walk around with a portfolio going back to my art days where I used to have a portfolio with all my work. I started putting together, you know, all my certificates, all my good guy emails that I received from people, uh, every letter of recommendation that I could possibly grab from people as I moved through my career uh, before I left that ask them for you know, can you write me a letter of recommendation? So I have letters of recommendations from, from people in the NFL. I got people, uh, former employees. I got uh, just people I'm friends with that can basically, you know, that if it wasn't for my, you know, my actual work, it was, it, these were also my character, um, you know, who I am and what I am as a person, people that knew me. So I had this nice portfolio put together. And when I walked in for an interview, uh, they're, like, they're like, what is this? I said, well, it's the difference maker between me and the guy sitting outside. Okay. Uh, if you're interested in hiring somebody, you're going to ask them for all this stuff. And I just happen to have it already provided here in this book. You're more than welcome to take a look through it. Look through it. You'll see all my certifications. Everything is there. Everything. I got the real certs in there. They're not photocopies in case you think they may be fake. Um, I said, I got letters of recommendation. I have a list of people that I can give you right there in that book that you can take and call them yourself. We can actually make the phone calls right now. It was a very aggressive plan, but it worked. It worked yeah. because the person behind me wasn't prepared. I said, this is how I work. I am prepared and it's aggressive, but hey, it, it is what it is. And so I wrote these two articles that became famous, popular, not famous. They became good articles. They got a lot of clicks and likes and reads and all that. So a buddy of mine said, hey, if you're writing, you need to uh, connect with the audience that's reading. I said, all right, I got LinkedIn. I'm cool. They're like, no, you're not. You need to go to another platform, uh, pick up Twitter and understand how to use it because then people, when you post the link to your article, people can interact with you. I said, people are not going to read my stuff, man. Uh, and um, so I did. I, I, it took me a little bit to finally get my Twitter together. Uh, and when I finally did, um, I started the first year. I was nothing more than a, I'd read an article and I'd share it. Read an article, share it. I'd retweet something. Um, found AB Tweeps uh, as a hashtag. It wasn't as massive as it is now. Um, Back then, uh, there was an AB chat that Paul Konikowski ran. Um, AB chat was on like Fridays. It was every, every like the first Friday of the month at three o'clock in the afternoon. I remember it was, I, I, I looked forward to it, but I always miss it by like a hair. And it's usually during my busiest time as you're trying to clean up before you get, you know, get the, the five o'clock whistle. Happening. I plan to take me with ABN the AM. It's like ABN the PM for us. And then, you know, I have the toddlers and then it's Monday morning by the time I look at us. Yeah. But it was, it was the first time I got to see questions and, and, and see the AB community. And then I connected with a couple different people. And because I wrote a couple articles, Tim Albright reaches out and said, Hey, I have a podcast. Uh, do you want to be a guest? Uh, said, yeah, I've never done this before. What is it? It's like, oh, we just connect on Skype. I'm like, I know what that is. All right. So I connected with Tim on Skype and um, 
we recorded, I think I was on episode like nine or 10 or it was, it was, it was below the 20. Wow. Early uh, days of AV Nation. Yeah. I, you know, I met, I, Tim saw me online and um, connected with me there, um, brought me in as a guest. I had a different perspective, gave me my first shot. Remember I told you I've been doing paying it forward from, from forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the guys that helped me get my jobs and my internships, I have since brought people, um, you know, going back to that conversation. I got my buddy an internship uh, with the Giants. And I went to the other job. I brought in two more of my friends uh, who were graduating college and looking for an opportunity. I got them jobs. Uh, one of them now runs audiovisual, ironically, for Merck. Uh, the other one um, has been uh, w- has been with Rad Vision, had been an installer, had been all over the place. I forget where Andrew is now. Uh, so we, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to incorporate that into my in, into how I move through my career. Um, and Tim Albright, I'll I'll be the first to tell you that like Tim gave me my first shot on a podcast. Um, it wasn't, I didn't get bit by the podcast bug, but he then asked me back again a couple episodes later. And as the community was growing, the variety of people started happening, you know, popping around. Then I became kind of like a regular guy. And I ended up volunteering a lot, helping uh, Tim with AV Nation. Uh, obviously, we were, you know, um, I was not a founder. I'm, I have nothing to do with AV Nation. I just became friends with those guys mm-hmm. uh, simply because they gave me an opportunity. Uh, Tim, at least, you know, gave me the opportunity. And when the ISC thing came uh, and came calling for Tim, I said, dude, we got, we, we, you, know, we, we, you could do this. Like ISC, ISC had called Tim and said, hey, we'd love you to come check out our show and cover it, uh, which was a huge honor considering that, you know, he still saw himself as just a blogger, you know, a guy who was doing this part time. Um, so he's like, I'd love to go, but man, this, is, this is kind of like a hobby. How am I going to do this? So, um, you know, he kind of pulled a couple of his, you know, friends together, me included. And, um, I said, uh, I'll think of something. We'll think of something. We'll figure something out. I went home and I ran to Barnes and Noble, bought a book because that's what I do. Same thing I do with Twitter. I have to buy books on Twitter, bought a book on, um, on Kickstarter and read everything I could, devoured everything I could about Kickstarter so that we can create a Kickstarter. Um, and I said, Tim, this is going to sound nuts. Uh, I don't know if anybody who's ever done this, but you've been doing this. You have an audience. People like your podcast. Try Kickstarter. How much do you need to get people over? So um, we helped. Tim was the brains behind everything and the muscle. You know, just gave him some ideas. He puts together this great video, puts together the whole campaign to do a Kickstarter. And um, the rest is history. You know, I was selected by Tim to, to, to be out there with him. And I got to run around ISC. That was about five, six years ago, I guess. It was my only time to ISC. I absolutely loved it. I get sick as a dog. Uh, have but it's grown house. since then, Chris. Like, you have been over to ISC. Now, the AV Awards really mm-hmm. have taken yourself and Tim on board. I guess you're you guys are can you announce that you guys are going to be at the av awards is that a secret is that it's not a secret um we've been very successful with providing the play-by-play as i call it 
Um, you know, we, we, we did wonderful last year, uh, 900 something plus live viewers. Uh, we were interacting as much as we could online. Um, you know, we, we really had it much better uh, set up last year than we did the year before uh, because we had, an, they changed venues. So we, you were allowed to, you know, you got the, the behind the shoulder shot. We were up on a, on a riser and got to see, you know, what was going on on stage behind us. Um, you know, as of right now, the AV awards are scheduled to happen in November. I can't say that, you know, it's a hundred percent go that I will be there or that it, it, the COVID, because COVID-19 it's, it's like, it's already been pushed back once. Yeah, it was supposed to happen in October. It's moved to, to November. Uh, we'll see. Um, he, the, the, the big thing is, um, the UK can open its doors. Right, and it could say it's back in business. The, then I, I also need to get the okay from the U.S. where it's like, all right, you guys can, you guys can travel. It's okay to go, uh, because it's been kind of weird lately. But uh, AV Awards is a great time. I absolutely love going there. Um, I, obviously, we, we we got to meet up there and um, and hang out the year that I was there, uh, the first year uh, that you were nominated. Congratulations mm -hmm. for for the for the award. Um, but we. We absolutely love going there. I mean, it's, it's guys, the, the, the hashtag AV Brits are so welcoming to us, me and Tim, because we are without a doubt. The you haven't thing. made it to Ireland yet. The two of you yeah. haven't made it to Ireland. That's the biggest thing. And you know, like Tim, we had Tim Albright in a previous episode, Chris, and he was even saying if he gets to the AV awards, he's going to make it his way over to Ireland this time. It's questionable of whether COVID nineteen is going to knock that on the head because we like honestly we have Joe Way who's also been nominated for the uh, this year's AV Awards for both the University and for AV Professional of the Year. Uh, congratulations to to Joe on that. But he's hoping to go on honeymoon with his wife to Ireland. Like if COVID nineteen wasn't around, we could have the mightiest Irish session going on if yourself, Tim, and Joe were in the same pub. But I, I, don't, I don't know if the, if the island's big enough for the three of us, man. That's 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 a, that's a lot of AV in one, uh, one space. I know, but like we could actually start a new hashtag right there and then, you know. Uh, the Americans are coming. Yeah, <laughs> you know, especially when like. Uh, I'm still counted as an honorary AV Brit, apparently, uh, to, to the guys over there. But, yeah, it's, it'd be great to get you over to Ireland. Do you think it's going to happen? Are you, or if you get to the AV Awards, will you make the trip over to Ireland? The, the, the first year I went to the AV Awards, I made a trip over to Belgium. Uh, and that was going through the uh, via train under the English Channel, over to France, and then over to Belgium. I was out there doing work. Um, me and Tim took a took a ride over to Barco headquarters, and that was uh, Barco had invited Tim. And since I was in London, they said bring Tim and have him come take a look at our uh, headquarters. So we went over there, and that was an adventure. And I absolutely loved the bullet train. Uh, if it was that simple to get to Ireland, absolutely I would do it. Um, I don't know. Uh, now that I have a new home in the UK with the Midwich purchase of Starin, um, I have a reason to be there a little bit longer than just, you know, the whirlwind tours that me and, and Tim have done. 
um, typically just flying in a day or two before the show and then spending maybe the day after and then taking off the next day. Um, October's a really busy month, but now that it moved to November, it's very different. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what could possibly happen. I will never say never. Um, I would absolutely love the opportunity to, to, to hop over to Ireland. Uh, because I've already I, said to Mark Coxon that I'm, I'm stealing his podcast because you know the way he had AV guys in a bar talking yeah. while drinking and he hasn't done those episodes in God knows how long. If I can line up yourself, Joe, <laughs> and Tim in, in, in one pub, but the problem is we need to get the pubs open first. You know, Other, other than that, it's going to be just on the street and we hope that the guards don't come along and arrest us for... We're doing something crazy. And if, if I if I get there, you, you I'll be happy to to sit down and and have a pint. And that's not even something I typically do, but I will sit down and and absolutely enjoy having a conversation with you in a bar. So, well, going going from where you are now with Star and Two, and you're now really pushing on this more marketing end of things of audiovisual. You've you've taken. You, would you even? Would you go as far as saying that it's a more a marketing role that you're doing now, Chris, and with audiovisual just adding on top of it, like icing on the cake, or would you say that your your heart is always audiovisual? Um, I'm old school AV, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I came from the technical side. Uh, what makes me, I guess, a little different, at least is what I've been told, is that I can have a conversation with an engineer and I can have a customer, I, have a, I, I can have a conversation with a customer who needs to have something explained to them in a different way. Uh, I, I translate very well. Um, one of the things that one of my coworkers, Melissa Dillman, one of her special superpowers that I've been trying to emulate is that prior to working with Melissa at Starin, she was a, trainer. She's a renowned trainer. She's She's been a educator of the year for Infocom and a woman of the year. But one of the things that Melissa does really well, and I've always respected this, and I, that's why I love taking her classes, is that she would take the most complicated of subjects, which a lot of blowhards would absolutely love to overcomplicate and use big terms and big fancy words to sound fancy and educated. Melissa takes them from here and breaks them down into bite-sized pieces that anybody can understand. And that's so, talent. It is talent. That, that's a skill. That's a skill. And it's, it's so hard to master that. It's hard to take the most complicated technical jargon and really make it, break it down into like how many, you know, you, you, to, to take something like, how EDID works and break it down to listen, it's how it moves through the system or yeah. how many, you know, how, how she has a way of doing it. And um, it's something that I wish I could do as good as she does, but it's something that I have to master and learn. You know, the time that I've, I got to, to spend with her here uh, at Starin, I've seen how she works and it's, it's, it's quite impressive and how somebody can be technical and understand the business side, which is her thing. Uh, for me personally, you know, I am a, a tech at heart, uh, though my, my, my tech skills have changed a bit. Um, marketing is where I've been, but when am I, when are we, 
not just me, but when are we all not marketing, right? Yes. Like um, that's, that's why I love your, well, your new um, training, not, I won't even take training courses, but webinars where you're talking about building your personal brand. And it's so true. Like, and when is it more important that we are hitting into what will be a global recession? Make no doubt about it. it like we've seen the layoffs from AV in all sectors, and it's not just AV. It's so important now that people go and sell themselves as what they can do and skill up and show what they can do. Well, in, but, yeah. Take, take, for example, what we're doing here, right? Um, I've been on videos for years, right? I've been doing podcasts for years, thanks to Tim, obviously. I'll go back to that. Um, when the world shut down and went into lockdown, I felt as if I was better prepared than the next person was because oh absolutely for I, all of a us AV guys were the most talented people in the room the person that everyone wants to talk to and listen to but even so uh, AV the the AV persons that are out there um, yeah a, a, as an industry we were we were in a great position right uh, but specifically because I had always turned on my camera because I had lived in the digital realm for the last 10 years. Um, I'm watching companies scramble to create content, to create a voice, to create this, to create that, because they didn't pay attention to this prior to lockdown. That's scary. Meanwhile, I've already been there, done that. And the companies that I worked for, you know, I went to them and said, both AV help desk and, and no, we need to expand the digital and not just the digital conversations, but you also have to have the personality behind it. Um, I am fortunate that I've spent this amount of time and effort and that I put that time and effort into this early on. Um, when the world went into lockdown, a lot of people reached out to me via DM asking questions. Uh, my day consists of a lot of direct messages, whether it's, people sending it to my email or through all my social channels. Um, you know, think about what's going on right now. There's a supply chain issue, right, going on in the world. Uh, once uh, all the, the plants in China shut down for a while, um, you know, technology, electronics started to, to dwindle as far as, you know, stock. You know, as you know, webcams are hard to find. Yeah, right? if we knew about this beforehand, we would have bought stocks and stores yep. containers full of webcams, keyboards and mice and laptops. So instead of making the call, Justin, a lot of people just cut the call, cut the operators, cut the queues and come right to me. Yeah. So I spend a lot of my day as, uh, you know, answering questions uh, regarding, you know, where can I do this? What product is there? Hey, do you guys have an alternative? Um, there's a lot of that going on. And I do a lot of business online uh, just based on that. It's not just what you see. Yes, I'm showing the fact that I, that I run in the morning now because I'm trying to uh, correct my blood sugar. Um, but at the same token, every video that you see that now it's me with this camera. And a lot of people say, hey, Chris, it's a nice camera you got there. Unfortunately, I, I don't go into the details of what I'm running. But I have 
a whole host of USB cameras here that I can show the far end of what the far end would look like. Everything from the huddle cams and the PTZ to the Aver and Yamaha speakers, whatever it is. Now all of a sudden, you know, I'm an online or digital experience center just because I have a personality, right? Yeah. If you need to find something out, I can do it. I can jump on calls with different technology. Uh, and if I don't do it, I reach out to my friend, Doug Dillman, who has every sound bar and every type of camera and all these different other controllers. And I can jump real quick from the Twitterverse and the LinkedIn worlds and even Instagrams into a Zoom call with Doug and a couple people and make it happen. So and it, it's, it's, it's been, it. you've, you've been at the forefront in building up this network online, even forget COVID-19. It's the mm -hmm. fact that this AV Tweeves has grown into AV and the AM where we can talk questions. But I'm going to ask you my first quick fire question. What's next, Chris? What, where would you like to see this ball rolling to? If I tell you what's next, you, know, you would have to see what happened. Yeah, okay. What happened. Uh, no, uh, I'll be honest with you, man. It's, I didn't set out to create a chat. I didn't set out to, to create AB in the AM. That happened by accident. Um, AV Happy Hours um, came together because I have an audience and putting people together to do an AV Happy Hour made sense when everybody was locked in and it was kind of like a support group. Now it's networking and, and so many people out of work, there's people making connections because you're not meeting people at shows and at bars and after hours. Um, I've been very fortunate, dude. I have an audience that um, will give me the benefit of the doubt. And that uh, is, is all I can ask for. If Chris is creating something, let's check it out, right? Um, I'm, I'm been, I've been super fortunate. There's no other better way. What's next? And I've said it uh, to, I've said it before. Uh, my, my goal is video. Video is everything that I think that we should be doing. Um, I think I need to raise the bar for, for AV videos. Uh, I think there's a couple things that are lacking in the in the AV um, space. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's got this. Everybody's got that. But there's certain things that are kind of missing. Um, I also want to remain super accessible. That is important. And obviously, passing that on. Um, uh, you know, being able to connect the community because it's funny because you're you're saying about you know I, I can do this and I can do that. I've also been told. One thing that I have is the ability to create the community, right? Um, I have to be, um, you know, super conscious of that. Like everybody that comes along and says, you know what, we're going to give Chris that benefit of the doubt. Next thing you know, AB and the AM is a community. Mm -hmm. um, they're super opinionated and I foster that, right? Um, I want people to be comfortable. Um, this year we were going to have our first like AV and the AM kind of real meetup at Infocom and that, kind of fell apart. Uh, there's a lot of people that contribute to AV and the AM that I wish I could meet personally that I haven't met. Um, AV Tweeps is the overarching umbrella and that was created by others. I, I cannot take credit for that. You know, uh, that's not that's not my thing. Do I, do I foster that community? Absolutely. I am one of many, as you see in my Twitter handle. That's how okay. I do it. But as far as AV and the AM, uh, that takes a little, a little work. 
um, then I and I realize now that it's it's kind of my thing, man. I I must ask you, how many times have you been banned from Twitter? As in your your account has just exploded and they think you're a bot and uh, it happens more than expected. Uh since AV and the AM it, now my Sundays type thing, I get banned at least once a week on <laughs> And they, they they put me on hold for, you know, basically I can't tweet, I can't do nothing publicly. I can send DMs. Um uh, AV happy hour gets me flagged for being a bot too, because I send the link to everybody via DM and they think I'm a bot doing that. So, um, until I find a better way, um, I'm going to be, continue to be the, the Twitter rebel. Well, do you uh, ever see it moving off Twitter? Like there is other social media channels that's like taking the world by storm. We won't even go down TikTok direction, but what, you know, there is other avenues that, could be explored. Do you see Twitter? Absolutely. Uh, I've I've thought about that, and I have my I, I have my feelers out there, and, and I'm always looking. Uh, what's going to happen is, though, I have to find a, a home that one is going to be stable. That's going to stay more than you know, be more than a flash in a pan or a fly by night. Uh, the other thing is, is that I need to uh, find a, a site that's inclusive, right? That all, that everybody can join from all over the place and that it's not limiting people and what they can see or do. Uh, I don't it, want it's, it's so true that you, you mentioned previously there, Chris, that it's video. Like, it just happened that AV happy hour and we're all getting together every fortnight or so when people have time and just jumping on board and having a beer and not even talking AV a lot of the time, just catching up with people because of the these lockdowns. So it sometimes we ask this question, what's next? And we actually don't know what's next. Okay. If you could tell me what's next in this crazy world that we're living in right now, I will gladly, I, I will gladly anoint you if I had the power to anoint you king of, of Ireland, man. If it's it's so hard right now to say what the next big thing is as far as you know where you know, you're you're being specific to me about like social media right mm -hmm. technology and all that stuff we can we 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 can grasp and and kind of calculate uh, when I when I I'll be doing for the first time I'm going to be speaking at Integrate uh, Expo which is based uh, it's it's the it's this year it's virtual out of Australia. And I'm going to be doing emerging um, emerging trends. Emerging trends is not hard for me to talk about, but what bothers me about emerging trends and what I see in the in the AV space when people talk about emerging trends is that we always have to relate it back to a box or a piece of tech, um, and I completely disagree with that. I think that the emerging trends and anybody who is creating future sight of where things are heading need to look at what the what the need is for one. And for me, the big part about future trends is what is colliding into our space. Yeah, to make the experience. Yeah. To make, it's to make the experience, but you know, we are not telling architects this is gonna be cool. Architects are telling us what the space is and then we are- Building around we're, it. We're, we're adding to that space. So we have to look outside of our industry 
And then all the stuff that I read about future trends, at least from the eight from that I see from AV, it's always, oh, it's this, and it's very specific, like AV over IP, and you know, and 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 this type of protocols. I'm like, dude, why are we talking about that? We need to be talking in a in a, you know, about what is intersecting, right? And what is forcing the change, right? It's in retail, for example. Everybody will go and say, oh, digital signage is huge. It's going to continue to be huge. Why? And what is happening right now in, in, in retail that's going to force the hand of technology? Well, if, if you that's ask me that there on digital signage, the biggest thing in digital signage now is linking it in with COVID-19. Can you enter the store? Yes or no? You know, green light, red light, you know, or and signs to tell you how many people that, are in the store. Yeah, but is is a heat sensor a future trend? No. No. It's a trend. trend is how the business will use that technology to improve the customer experience, mm -hmm. right? Or to improve on how uh, the business workflows are done. So I have a tough time with people that will just say that this, this here is the future and whatever this could be, it's just a white scrap of paper, but imagine this could be anything. It could be a very specific product. And 90% of the stuff that we hear is very specific. Oh, this type of widget is going to revolutionize. No, it's not. Yeah, but it only works with Microsoft Teams and not to how, go down. How, did, <laughs> how does it work and how does it integrate? And more, and, and the one thing that I will stick to my guns and tell you and proclaim, and if you want to come at me with it, that's more. We don't decide product roadmaps. No nope. roadmaps and all that are decided by the ultimately by the end user. Yep. You can have the coolest product in the world. It could be awesome. It could be a technological marvel. If the end user does not like it, does not adopt it, it goes nowhere. It's it's flawed. Yeah. 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 It's flawed from the beginning. Okay. Pop quiz or fast question number two. ISE or Infocom? <sighs> I've only been to ISE once, so it's unfair for me to say, you know, I, I don't know where ISE is going to be in Barcelona. And the one time I went, it was awesome, but I worked my tail off because I was covering the show and I didn't get to experience the show. I've got to experience Infocom multiple times. So right now I will have to lean towards Infocom, but I'm very curious as to what the Barcelona experience will do. Yeah, no, well, we episode 33 of the All Things Techie podcast, Mike Blackman covered, like, what is in store at ISE. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, have a listen to that. But, dude, that's a tough act to follow. You got me following Mike Blackman? Man. Yes, I know. I know. And all recorded on the same day. I'll, I'll announce to our listeners, you know, this has wow. been a, 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 an absolute great day of, of recordings, programs for the All Things Things Techie podcast. Okay, you say Infocom, Vegas or Florida? Vegas, all day, every day. I hate, I hate humidity. Uh, that's what I'm only, dealing with. Is that the only reason that? Yeah. Uh, no, there's outside of the humidity. The one thing I, you know, I I love about Vegas is that I can turn around in Vegas and there's a hundred different varieties of places I can go, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I love the fact that I can reach out, you know, having a social presence in a town like Vegas is awesome, right? I can say, I can go, and, and I use the Swarm app, 
which was the old Foursquare app, and I link it to my Twitter, and I'll say, you know what, I'm sitting, let me check in to where I'm at. So I check in at the Cosmopolitan, right, I'm at the Chandelier Bar. Mm. I will get a message, hey, how long are you going to be there? I'm going to be walking past there in five minutes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Come by. Next yeah. thing you know, there's 10, 15 of us hanging out. Uh, because that's really what Infocom is, is, is the value of Infocom is, uh, is the networking more so than anything else. Yeah, you get to see cool tech. Yes, you can do your meetings during the day, but the networking part is the big piece of it. And I think at Vegas, I have uh, the opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff. Like uh, me and Mark Coxon love to, to get together. The last time we were in Vegas, we were both working for Barco. And there was the end of the show and everybody kind of scattered. We didn't know where anybody was. And we just said, you know what? Let's go do something completely different. Mark's like, you like fried chicken? Um, this is when I found out about Mark's obsession with fried chicken. I said, <laughs> like, uh, like you Chuck's, know Chuck's I, obsession with bacon. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm cool with some fried chicken. You got any places? He goes, boy, do I got places. So he takes me to this little like, you know, place off the strip. Um, that's known it's got, it's, it's just where it's located is off the strip and it's a little rinky place. And we sat down outside and I had a little counter and, you know, we got fried chicken and beer. Um, and we start taking pictures and sending it out. Next thing you know, people are like, where the hell are you? We're like, we're at blue ribbon fried chicken, having a chicken sandwich and, and some beer. And then um, all of a sudden it's taken over. Next thing it's taken over and then people start like, yo, I, I need to go there. Where is that? Where we'll come meet you. We're finishing off. Like, no, we'll come meet you. Right. So, um, yeah, that's the great thing. Whereas in, in Orlando, everything's a little bit more scattered. If you're not at the point Orlando, which is kind of, you know, it's the one place, but there's no, there's no place to just walk up and hang out. Everything is super booked because it's a very concentrated you know, area. Uh, and it sort of, it brings me into like what we've been doing for the past three or four months now with COVID, doing these virtual uh, seminars and Infocom and then we had the AB over IT, ABIT summit. Yeah. Um, how are you finding the virtual ends of these conferences? Good, bad? Um, once we got, you know, we're going through different stages. Mm. You have a lot of copycat syndrome right now where people just have a need to to put something together for fear of missing out uh, that the other person has done it or the other company has done it. So and it's very are, similar material. Like I, I, I find that like I'm joining a lot of these meetings because they're free to join, which is great yeah. to give to of my skills. But yeah. Chris, you, you find that like it, it, it does, it, it's, find out you'll find out the same information and yeah you feel like halfway well, through the day dropping what do you out. expect they're the same sponsors are still getting involved yeah uh, you know there's always some sort of pitch somewhere in there uh even when uh even when starin uh decided to do the present summit and we were trying to figure it out we changed it up a couple times because uh we wanted to do something that was a little different. So instead of having the same guests on the same, with the same conversations every time, we went out and, and searched for different guests. We went out and brought in the author of the experience, you know, the experience economy and Joe Pine. 
and Fatima Doman. And these are people that are giving us a perspective. And that's what we wanted to do was, you know, we brought together, um, you know, a show that was based on your online presence, your virtual presence, right? So everybody's been doing all these shows, but nobody ever sat down and, and really had a conversation about what you need to do to develop that. So we had entertainment, you know, we had the guy, uh, um, Ariel Vieira do a walking tour using, you know, a cell bonded pack out in New York City to show what New York City looked like. Well, uh, yeah, at the time, it, it it's kind of something out of like a Will Smith movie where there's nobody in New York City and it's overgrown kind of thing. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's thinking outside the box. Like I I have to say the AVIT summit and uh, talking about esports like. I've never looked down that route for a keynote speaker to listen to about esports, and I just found it fascinating to learn that that end of things with with the esports. Um, Absolutely. So we're, we're hoping that, and if you listen back to episode thirty-three, I don't want to give away too many secrets because I'm recording these back to back. But I I found if if COVID nineteen allows us to travel. Um, and the government allows us to travel. I feel that they're putting in the right stops into into getting ISE going in Barcelona. I think that's going to be the opening type of AV show to get us back into what is this new normal. But uh, will we be able to do parties the way we we used to? I don't think so. I think it's it's going to be it's going to be limited, Chris. So I have. I have my my wish list. If if ISC does the go down and I'm able to go, um, as 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 representative of uh, Starin and Midwich, um, I may even if it does go down, maybe I'll take some time and go do it myself. Uh, I have a I have an idea. Again, marketing big idea. I mean, last year we uh, drove an RV to Orlando and live streamed the whole way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why not think why not do it that? a different way as well? Well, do it. Well, that's one thing. Now that it's been done, anybody else can do it. But, uh, you know, how much yeah. more and better can we make it? Exactly. And you know what? You're, you're still keeping inside your little COVID pod if, 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 if you want to, to be traveling in a caravan. Would you say, would you think that any of your family will your younger family your sons or daughters will go into the world of audiovisual i have a 17 year old high school graduate who graduated this year um i am going to uh, send him to the university here for community college a two-year school to get his uh, associate's degree at first and then see if there is a uh, if there's something that he likes while he's there if not um i can always uh, talk him into this sort of stuff. So uh, it's not a bad gig if he oh. likes what I do. Tech toys. If you were to give, be given a tech toy for Father's Day or Christmas, what would it be and why? Any budget? Uh, any sort of tech toy. Um, two things that I'd want. I need a, I need a gimbal. <laughs> I I want to I, I have a DSLR and I want to start playing with some stuff so I, I need a DSLR gimbal that I have my eye on. Um, I also really like the A10 Mini Pro. 
uh, switcher uh, uh, all-in-one device for the stuff I do at home with podcasting and with video and uh, streaming and stuff like that. Having a little switcher would be great. Uh, that would be the tech toys. Um, well, Christmas is coming. And be, I, I say that in August, but like you, because we've been locked down, the days are just rolling into one for me. Um, so if you have any final advice, Chris, and we're going to leave it there because it's, I've taken up a lot of your time. If, if you had any final advice for anyone entering the world of AV, what would it be? Wow. You know what? If you had asked me this in December 2019, I would have had a completely different answer. Um, I think the best advice I can tell people that are getting into the business right now is to, for one, expect the unexpected. I don't think that there is a true um, way of doing things, right? Um, I know it's very adverse right now for company, for, for, not for companies, but for young people to understand the term, pay your dues. Mm. Um, I paid my dues. I worked my way up from where I was doing and I get it. You know, you got a degree, you got to pay for that degree. I did too. Uh, but to an extent there is, there is something to be said. There's a value in understanding how everything works um, would probably be my, my biggest piece of advice. If I hadn't been a technician, I would have never gone into project management. If I hadn't been a project manager, I would have never gone into consulting. And if I didn't do consulting, I wouldn't have been working for a distributor. Um, I'm a big, and I'm going to date myself here. Um, I'm a big fan Growing up, well, at least I'm not so much these days, but growing up, I was a big fan of the old uh, Kung Fu movies and karate movies and Kung Fu theater and stuff like that. And I always latched on to the stories of the, the young hopeful who went to one master to learn karate and then went to another master in the jungle to learn a different form. And then go to a mountaintop to learn how to meditate and learn another form with a monk. Right, and by the advancement of audiovisual, where yeah. there's so many layers of this onion to peel back. Yeah, you refer to it as an onion. I refer to it as getting your belts and you know getting your stripes. My son's a, a, a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, and that progression of you know if if I was to take that uh, idea and bring it to AV, it's you know you got to understand different forms of it. You cannot be hyper-specialized in any one thing, but when you do find something you like, that's when you attach to it. So I can't say that I'm a specialist in any one particular AV thing, right? I've got a little bit of audio, I've got a little bit of video, I understand a little bit about control, I understand UC. Because it's the Wild West, we are all over the place and we have to know a thousand different languages. Uh, but if 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 you were to ask me you know again as a starting av person learn as many different facets as you can and spend give it some quality amount of time it's not hey i did it for two months now i want to do something else no 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 give it time right if you can write out and know what it's worked for me can you create a five-year plan right 
the five-year plan for me with social, which I, it's funny because I, I went back to my wife and we constantly are reminded of this. My wife is very patient with me. Uh, the amount of time I put into this, I've given up now my Sundays. But when I originally uh, started doing social, I said, I went to my wife, I said, Robin, I, I got an idea. I'm going to learn how to do this social media thing. And after five years, if it doesn't get me anywhere, right, and I was, I, then, I'm, then I'm just going to put it as, hey, it failed. But for the next five years, I'm going to make an effort. And I got what I, what I, I got more than what I expected in five years. And then the next five years after that, I set some high goals and I achieved those. Um, and I'm not referring to follower count. I'm not referring to this. I'm looking at opportunities. I am looking at, um, you know, people have asked me, hey, how do you use social in the world of AV? Like, why aren't you doing like what these guys like the, the Gary Vaynerchuks are doing? And, the, you know, why don't you just become like an advocate and start doing this stuff on your own? And, and how, why can you monetize it? I'm like, no. I said, I, I, I've already monetized it. Social media is a skill set that goes into my resume. You're missing out the main word. Social media is networking. And, yep. and this is, you know, like, and it's so true, Chris, because my wife says, wow, you know, like, who are all these people like? And you're great. At, well, I, she says I'm great at doing it. Sometimes I go, hey, it's just talking to friends. And it's not until you need them for something that you realize, hold on a minute, this is what I've been spending all my time doing. Justin, what I've come to the conclusion when it comes to what you need and what you never need, you never ask, you give. The yeah. more you give, okay. the more it works, mm -hmm. uh, the better it works. Uh, the more opportunities I can put in front of somebody, the more advice I can help people with, um, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. At some point, right, um, you get to a point in your career where you want to be able to help, right? Uh, I've reached that point numerous times. And whether it's, you know, right now we have somebody, we have a high school kid who joins our AV Happy Hours. Um, he found me through Instagram. He joins in, he's part of the AV club at school. Like he runs AV at, at high school. He's now an AV technologist because he took the course from Infocom. He's looking to do a CTS before he graduates high school, right? I've connected him to people within school. Like this is like, I'm not sitting here and I'm not going to take this and, and, and hang a, you know, an award for doing that. That's kind of, it, it, I just think it's, it's part of me. It's what I need to do. It's, it's, it's expected at this point. I carry a responsibility, right? And my responsibility is not only to the people that follow me, to provide content for them to like or enjoy or um, you know that's worthy uh, of sharing uh, some people just want to just see what i'm doing man it's i'm not a celebrity i'm not not a kardashian right uh this whole back and forth with av fitness without with our danner has a deeper purpose the purpose is i want to control my blood sugars <laughs> that's it it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't for anything else other than that art just wanted to get a little bit more active uh, and then I looked up my step count and it was horrible what I was step counts from like February and March and, and April it was disgusting. So I just started, I said, you know what, I'm going to get up a little early and and we start moving around. Next thing you know, people that followed me, it was like, you know what, I'm going to do that too. And I'm with you. And also we got a Strava group and 
uh, you know what? If it happened organically like that, that's awesome. Maybe I am, same thing, organic build out of, you know, I, I, I have a following. I, and, and because of that, I took a picture of my coffee mug and I answered a question, turned into a chat. Two years later, it's getting 25 million impressions. The only reason I know about the impressions is because it helps me understand what I'm saying, like based on the questions that I put out, are they, are they, are they, are they working? Are they not? And I listen to the people. I do a lot of mailbag and people are like, dude, why are you another mailbag? I'm like, dude, I get hundreds of questions. Some good, some bad, some I really don't want to share, but I will take the best of them and put them into a, in, in, into five questions and put them out there. And the response has been amazing. The community has been amazing. I, I'm not separating, you know, AV and the AM from AV tweets. I think they're all one and the same. It's just that some days are for AV. And I keep saying that. Um, the swag shop came because I couldn't, um, you know, the, the whole AV, uh, and I don't own AV swag. AV swag is owned by a completely different company, but I went with them and I, and I took a, and I business idea to them. And I said, listen, I can't afford to have a thousand shirts in my garage of various sizes. People are asking me for shirts and mugs. How about this? And we sat down and we came up with an idea and that's how AV swag went from being a place where they only sold their particular line to carrying AV and the AM gear. And now other podcasts have started uh, their uh, higher ed tech has one in there. Now uh, AV educates in there. There's a couple different other. So it's become like an overarching brand for, for, for podcasts and for people and personalities to actually set, sell their gear. Uh, and that only came because people were requesting it. I went to the, to the mall and had a hat made next thing you know, where can I get that hat? You know, yeah. people go buy it and go make me one and I'll pay for it. I'm like, dude, I don't have the time. And I don't even know if it's good yeah. enough, you know? So. Chris, it's been great talking to you and a great episode. And you said, what, I'm following Mike Blackman? I, but you are- a hard act to follow, man. That's- But it, it's been one of these people, you have been one of these people that I've been trying to get hold of and, and do this because I don't think anyone's, you've, you've done in, in bite-sized pieces of how you got involved or where you are now and what you like to do. And, but to get you for a full hour to just drill down where it all began and where we are now and what you look forward to in the future. I love, I, I love that you're making me sound like this is like some great epic story that wait until the movie version comes out. I, that's so not me, dude. There is nothing interesting about it. You know, it's, I, I, I absolutely love that we just sat and, and chatted about things and, uh, you know, I hope you guys get a, uh, you know, some good reactions. I would love to see some likes and some follows out of this on your, uh, on your YouTube page, if that's anything uh, for people that are listening that are catching these last few minutes, please do that. Uh, because Justin's been around, Justin's been doing his thing. Yeah, please subscribe down there. And Chris, where can people get you? What's the, of course you're on Twitter, Chris Nito. You're you're on many every so, social media platform apart from TikTok, I think, and and Instagram. Maybe you're on Instagram. You're on Instagram, probably. I am on Instagram as AV Shout. I am on LinkedIn, Christopher. Neto CTS, Christopher underscore Neto on Twitter. Uh, I would be remiss if I do not uh, get to uh, throw a shout out to my employer uh, who helps me do all these cool things. 
So Starin, uh, you can find Starin, Starin.biz, Midwich as well uh, is out on the webs, uh, Starin underscore marketing, uh, excuse me, Starin underscore MKG is the Twitter handle for Starin. Uh, we're all over the place. Uh, same thing with our with the parent company with Midwich. Uh, thank you, sir, for having me on. I appreciate it, man. It's it's always great to get a different flavor, especially with an international audience. Uh, you, sir, are a, uh, a class act and one of my favorite, at least from Ireland. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Chris, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Chris. And uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you on Twitter. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie.